Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Woo! I hope the presence of God has filled the homes of those who are watching this morning. For truly it is in this place. For truly his presence and his spirit is abiding in this place. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Okay, let me pull it together. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. How is everyone doing this morning? Amen. Blessed. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. It is so good to see all of your faces this morning. For those who made it out for corporate worship to, to dwell in the presence and come and, and enjoy the presence of your brothers and sisters, we just thank you this morning. We bless each and every one who is watching online and we hope that next week you will come out. Amen. Let's fill this place up as we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And as we celebrate Palm Sunday this morning, let's just lift our hands and just give a wave offering to the Lord. Amen. A wave offering to the King of Kings. The wave offering to our God. Hallelujah. We truly thank Him this morning. Amen, for all that he has done for us. Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I want to welcome all of those that are here visiting with us. I have a special guest this morning. Um, I have my, our, 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 one of my employees over at the academy, Miss Gilda. Gilda is a fire starter. Amen. <laughs> Gilda is full of the Spirit. She loves the Lord. And every time I'm over at the center, we are talking about Jesus. We are talking about the goodness of God. She teaches our preschool children, and she pours into them like none other. Amen. It's not just a school, but it's a ministry for her. It's not about teaching, but it's about her teaching the children scriptures, teaching the children just great, great teachings on just love and being kind. And she's so patient. I don't know how she does it, because there's times when I'm just like, Woo, Lord, have mercy. But she just has a heart for children. That is her ministry. And she is visiting with us this morning. So thank you, Gilda. Amen. And for all of our other visitors, thank you so much for coming. Amen. We are going to get into the word of the Lord this morning as we do have communion um, this morning as well. Amen. Amen. So this yesterday, about 10 o'clock at night, the Lord woke me up. And he said, I need you to change the word. I need you to just get up. Get up, Katani. <laughs> you know, and I'm sitting there. Of course, y'all know me. I'm sitting there fighting like, what? <laughs> like, it's 10 o'clock. Uh, and I just felt the unctioning of the spirit to uh, get up out of bed and go into the office. And as I did, in obedience to the, the spirit of the Lord, I just sat there and was just reading my Bible and asking God, God, what are you saying? What are you what are you wanting to do? And the Lord said, I want you to preach a different sermon. I know that you've prepared for one thing, but I'm going to, I want you to share something else. And so I was like, okay, because I had pretty much wrapped up the series on uh, the journey to the cross and was going to move forward. And the Lord said, no, there's another key element in the journey to the cross that you have overlooked and I want you to go back. So this morning, we are going to do exactly what the Spirit of the Lord said. Amen? Because we know that 
when God changes things or when God speaks a word, there's a blessing. Amen. There's something that he wants us to grab hold of. And as I was, I was preparing last night, I stayed up till 3.44 in the presence of God. I just could not go to sleep. I didn't even want to go to sleep. And I kept looking at the clock like, okay, I got two, two hours and 15 minutes of sleep left here. Should I just stay up? And so uh, I went upstairs, I got in the bed, probably didn't fall asleep till about 4, 4, 4, 15, 4.30. Just the presence of the Lord was just all over me. And uh, it was refreshing because I have gone through um, a crazy week, a crazy week, a week of phenomenal favor, a week of phenomenal miracles, a week of just seeing God's hand in the life of restoration testimony after testimony blessings after blessings and uh was just so overwhelmed is the word only word i could say overwhelmed with with the goodness of the lord and then on on friday i just fell into kind of a funky mode you know and i knew exactly what it was i knew who was coming after me i woke up with anxiousness in my heart and i just began to pray and say oh god please i don't i don't want to repeat I, you know I, we repeated this long enough god please take this worry from me and i um turned on some worship music and just began to pray and allow the the spirit to wash over me but throughout the day it just kept coming back over and over and so as i was preparing the sermon on friday as i was studying i just knew i wasn't in the place and it was more mechanical than what uh, God would have. And I was trying to get into the spirit and really hear from the Lord. But at 10 o'clock last night, he woke me up and said, I want you to go back and scratch everything that you did <laughs> because I have a fresh word for you. And this morning, I want to speak again about the journey to the cross. And we are going to be coming out of Matthew chapter 26, verses 33 through 44. Again, that's Matthew chapter 26, verses 33 through 34. And it is so befitting that this morning we will celebrate communion as well as the Passover. So if you would stand to your feet for the reading of the word of God, Matthew 26, 33 through 34, and it reads, then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, is it possible? Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he, and he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, 
your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. This morning, the Lord would have me to talk, to add an addition to the journey to the cross, and that is fervent prayer strengthens and prepares you for the cross. Amen. Fervent prayer will strengthen and prepare you for the cross. So as we enter this Passion Week and we enter uh, this narrative of the final days of Jesus, we approach, uh, we're approaching the fulfillment of his prophecies as we have been speaking about throughout the week, all the prophecies that were, poor, uh, were stated in the Bible about Jesus' coming, about the resurrection, about his death, burial, and resurrection. All of this is coming to a culmination and we are seeing this transition begin to take place. And Christ is, prepare, is preparing himself to be, our, to be our sacrificial lamb. We learned throughout the weeks that the sacrifice that was done in the near ancient times, how they would, they would take an animal sacrifice and present it before God. And so Jesus is now preparing to be the sacrifice for our sins, to be the sacrifice of the world, to be our, our kingsman redeemer, to be that sacrifice that will, will wash away all of our sins. So he has a lot on his mind. He has a lot on his heart. And so as, as we walk through this passage of scripture just before, if you go home and just read um, the narrative from Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, if you read the, the, the narrative of the crucifixion, the narrative of the death, you will see the things, all the beautiful things that were happening. Just six days prior to this, Jesus did one of the most miraculous miracles, and that was to raise his friend from the dead. He raised Lazarus from the dead, which just took it to another level because they believe that the, that that. Once a body had been dead for more than three days, they were gone. It was over with. And Jesus had such a love for Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They were his friends. They were intimate friends and, and considered family. And upon the news of Lazarus' death, Jesus waited. He took his time getting there. They wanted him to come. They wanted him to heal him. They wanted him to lay hands on him. But, but Jesus allowed Lazarus, his friend, to pass before he showed up. And we all know about that narrative that once he, he got there, he, he was sorrowed, he was hurt, and he raised his friend back up from the grave. So we have this triumphant entry now taking place as Jesus is entering Jerusalem to partake of the Passover. So there's just the buzz is all around the city. First of all, the Passover is about to take place, which is where the, all, all the people come to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, to celebrate the lamb that was slain, the, the, the sacrifice uh, and the exit out of, out of uh, 
Exodus when the Spirit of the Lord came and they slayed an unspotted lamb and they put it over the doorpost and the deaf angel passed through. Huge celebration. uh, And they were coming to, to celebrate that. So the city was packed. There was just no, pretty much no room anywhere. And Jesus and his, his disciples come into the city to not only celebrate the Passover, but Jesus in the back of his mind knows that there's about to be another Passover. Like there's the Passover celebration, but there's another Passover coming. There's another sacrifice that is coming, and he knows that he's about to face the cross. So as we are, are looking, at that, looking at this, we, we continue to read, and you begin to see where he, uh, they, they, go up, they go to this house, and they partake of the Lord's Supper and how Jesus bears himself before them. He washes their feet. He loves on them. He, he tells them and begins to prepare them that my time is near, that, you know, brothers, sisters, I'm about to take on the cross. I'm about to be the sacrificial lamb. And as, as, as the disciples and the people that were there were listening, they were hearing, but they weren't listening to what he was saying. Conversations were going every which way. You know, kind of like us when we come to church. We listen and we hear, but our minds are all over the place thinking about what's about to happen. These men were excited because just prior, when Jesus entered the city, his followers were there and all eyes were on Jesus. It was, it was, Palm, it was Palm Sunday. It was, it, was a, it was a triumphal entry. And here they have Jesus, this man who has healed, this man who has loved, this man who has, has set the captives free, who has called demons out of people, who has, has just been the king's redeemer. This proclaimed earthly God was here, and people were just all over him. So when he enters the city, they begin to pull palm branches, and they laid out a palm branch. It's kind of somewhat like when one of our presidents or a king comes, and you have this big processional. A lot of times, with the church being right here, on 6th Avenue, anytime a president comes, there's this huge parade that goes before them, cars, lights flashing, security everywhere, and you see the motorcade. Well, this is how it was, but it was a donkey. Amen. <laughs> it was a donkey. And a donkey is, is, was the king's transportation in those days. And so here you have him coming through the city, and he's on this colt on this donkey, and they are lining the, the, the roads with palm leaves, and they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna to the Lord Most High. And they're singing praises to him, and they're adoring him. Now, you have to think about what this did to the heart of the government and the kings of that time and the Roman Empire. They're like, this is out of control. <laughs> this has gone too far because the people had just come in masses and droves of support of what he was doing. And so all of this uh, is going on, and I'm pretty sure the disciples were like, hey, you know, they were walking behind Jesus like, let me get some of this, let me get some of this. You know, and they were excited because they too thought that Jesus was going to come and fight 
and overthrow the Roman government and they would be put in place and they would be the officials of the land. So they were, you know, their minds just weren't on, weren't connecting to what Christ was saying. They thought it was going to be a fight and not a death. And so as they're, as they're making their way to the city, they go into the upper room and they have communion and Jesus tells them of what's going to happen. So we're going to pick up in verse 26 uh, and begin, I'm, I'm not verse 26, verse 36 and begin and says, then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. Gethsemane means the press. It means oil, pressing of oil. It means that Jesus entered into a place where it were fields and fields of olives all around. And we know that in order to get the oil out of an olive, it takes a pressing. So Jesus goes to a place where he is pressing himself into God. And he tells his disciples to sit here while I go and pray. Now all 11, Judas has already left the scene. Judas has already uh, gone and portrayed uh, Jesus. And Jesus takes all 11 of them, but he leaves the eight back and he takes his three, his, the, his three closest brothers, Peter, James, and John. And uh, these were the same ones that uh, were uh, with him through most of his ministry, through, through the most intimate times of his ministry. They were the brothers that uh, Jesus was, was closest to. And they had uh, been with him and walked with him and had deep, intimate relations with him. And so as he goes away, he takes the three and he says, stay here and pray with me while I go, you know, while I go up a little further and begin to pray. Um, and he was saying, I need you, brothers. I need you. Not everyone can pray for you. Amen. And not that the other disciples could not pray, but what Jesus was about to face was going to be catastrophic. And so he wanted to surround himself with people that he knew would pray. He knew that, that they would have his back. And so anytime you're going through a, a hard situation, corporate prayer is a beautiful thing. Amen. It's a beautiful thing to be able to express to our brothers and sisters, this is what I'm going through, and I need your prayers. So here we have Jesus late at night, distressed, sorrowful, and troubled. He knew what was coming and the gruesome ex execution that, that was awaiting him. Spiritually, he recognizes the even greater agony involved in carrying the sins of the world. So as he is there, Jesus is travailing. And, and if you look at Luke 22 and 44, Jesus is travailing. And being in agony, he prayed most earnestly. And his sweat began to drop like great drops of blood falling to the ground. So when you're bearing the cross, you must surrender your will. Amen. You must get in a position of pressing into God. And you must be in a position, a position where you are, are surrendering your will. And so going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, is it possible that this cup pass from me? Nevertheless, not my will, but your will. As you are carrying your cross, as you are going through this life journey, every prayer that you pray 
every request that you make should be if it is your will. Not selfish prayer, not bless me prayers. Even, even that when you are praying those prayers, Father, if it is your will, should be the proper response because God only blesses us with what he has designed for us, what he has chosen with us, for us. The gifts and talents that we receive are from the will of God. So always pray in the will of God. See, verse 39 exemplifies Jesus' full humanity, fully man, and demonstrates the complete extent to which he could be tempted. So here you have Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God. And you have Jesus, the man. And the enemy is attacking not only the man, but he's tackling and challenging, the, challenging God, challenging him as the Son of God. This is also repeated after the 40-day fast where Jesus went up and, and fasted for 40 days and the enemy came to tempt him. So notice the interchange of his divine and human natures in temptation. Perhaps as Jesus was praying, he recalled that time when the enemy came against him and tempted him after his 40-day fast. So we must remember to pull from our past. When we get into to situations, and that's how I was doing this weekend while the enemy was trying to drag me down, I began to just remember my past and all God has done for me, the blessings that God has, has handed me, the, the favor of God, the healing of God, the joy of the Lord. And I just began to, to re repeat scriptures and to to lift my spirit up so that I would not be in a place of, of travail and that it would not overtake me. That my praise would be louder than my agony. Amen. That my praise would be louder than the voice of the enemy. And so um, remember that when we offer our prayers, we are, and when we are facing trials, to always begin to give God the praise and the glory. So in 1 Corinthians 10 and 13, it says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. And so for me, that is saying that when you are tempted, when you are going through trials and tribulations, look for the way of escape, amen? Because God has provided it. It is in our praise, it's in our obedience, it's in our, our remembering the scriptures, it's in, in that time where we can encourage ourselves. So in his sinless human nature, he clearly perceives the horror of his coming execution and very naturally and appropriately asks his father, is there any other way? Father, is there any other way? In Psalms, 1, in Psalms 116 and 14, it reminds us that he called on the name of the Lord to deliver my, we should call on the name of the Lord to, to deliver our souls. Is it possible that most likely reflects um, the condition that he was in, uh, which assumes that it was possible for Jesus to be tempted. It's possible for us to be tempted. Oftentimes, we just look at Jesus as this, as this Jesus the Christ, and he never, he never did anything wrong, but he was tempted. 
Throughout scripture, he was tempted. Throughout scripture, he had drama in his life. He had arguing disciples. He had people trying to, to get what they could out of him. He had people coming at him with wrong motives. He had all kind of temptations that were brought before him before the enemy. But Jesus stands affirmed because the omnipotence of God resided within him. Just like God resides with us, we have the power, amen, to overcome our temptations, to overcome our sins. So nevertheless, not everything that is possible is part of God's will. And Jesus wants to make it plain that he intends to comply and completely fulfill with his Father's desire. He will not allow his personal preference or ambition to conflict with the divine requirement. We know that he could have called 10,000 angels, amen? We know that he could have rescued himself. We know that he had access to the throne room of God. And even with that, he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. I think he probably reflected on the creation of man, him and his father and the Holy Spirit, when they decided to make man. And when man fell and when when they were having the discussion of how can we save man? How can we redeem man? And he's saying, here am I, Lord, send me. That God himself said, I will incarnate myself into human flesh, and I will be the sacrificial lamb. I will be the one that goes and allows and gives my, my body to be crucified. I love them that much. Amen. That is, a, that is worth a praise and a thank you that God loves us so much that he would stand in our place. And that's exactly what he did as he was sitting there, um, as he was there praying with blood, drops of blood coming uh, from his forehead. He's remembering what, what the discussions that him and the father had, 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 had in the past. And so the cup again points to his suffering as he endures God's wrath for the sin of humanity. I could just imagine that um, as those disciples were there, they, could, they were probably in earshot of what was going on. And as Jesus returns to them to check and see if they're praying, they're, 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 not, they're asleep, so they think. I, this is just me because I, I always read the, the scripture through humor. I think they were faking it. I think they were like, what is going on over there? Because these are the boys, James. Uh, these are the sons of Zebedee, James and John. These are the ones that wanted, you know, I want to sit at the right hand. The mother had position, posi um, um, came to Jesus and said, which one of my sons will sit at your right and which one of my sons will sit at your left? And they were excited about, you know, being in power, being in control. And Jesus had told them, he spoke to them and said, if you can drink from this cup, let's, let's go. Let's go, you know, if you could drink from the cup. So I think that they might have got a glimpse of a cup and were like, Lord, just sleep. Just, just act like you sleep, <laughs> you know, just don't even, I'm not even going to flinch. I'm not even going, I'm going to snore. I'm going to do whatever I have because whatever's going on on the other side of the garden, I don't want no point. I don't want no part of it. And so, you know, that's us. That's us. We will get into situations where we know uh, the right and the wrong, and we will ask God for these blessings. We will ask God for, for promotions. We'll ask God for 
things that satisfy our flesh. And we have to realize that God knows us through and through. God knows if he were to, to give you a million dollars today, by this time next year, you would be broke. He knows that if he were to bless you in, in all the physical things that you desire and want, but yet have achieved or used the powers and the callings that he has created and put within us to attain, that we would not appreciate it. And so he was, he was, he was speaking uh, to, to James and Devadee and saying, this cup is heavy. I know that you all love me. I know that you all care. I know that you all are my boys. But what I'm about to do is heavy. So um, Matthew uh, reveals both Jesus' complete temptability in his human nature and his complete obedience to God. And I believe that's where God wants us to be. As we walk this journey, as we walk this, this journey of, of our own crosses, of, of bearing our own crosses, that God wants us to walk in a complete obedience to him, praying every step of the way, doing the things that God would have us to do, staying on track. So here, uh, the, the scripture uh, gives an example of prayer that, that, uh, that God does not answer. God did not answer his own prayer. God, Jesus is uh, dropping blood, sweat, drops of, of, of blood. He is, he is pleading with the, with the Lord that if there's any other way, but that God did not answer in the way he desired by the one, the way the one praying had desired, yet without any fault, the person making the request submitted his will to God. As we are on life's journeys, we have to understand that not all of our prayers are answered. Not all of our prayers need to be answered because, all of, because some of the prayers that we, we, we ask of God, some of the things that we request of God would be to our demise. Amen? Would, would, would cause us to be cocky, big-headed, fall into our flesh, and God is saying that I'm not going to answer that prayer. Some prayers are not answered. So this is a, a key reminder for us. If Christ could plead as boldly as he did, we should feel free also to unload all of our deepest desires before God and, and delight ourselves in the Lord. God wants to, wants to know your desires, but we have to align those desires with his answer. And sometimes it's no. Sometimes your prayer is just simply a no. Sometimes it's a not now. Sometimes it's a when you fall into submission and obedience, then we can talk. But we have to make sure that we are always in a submission to God and walking in the obedience of God. So as uh, we, we continue, it says, if Christ had to guard his own request. Can that, you know, that just, wow. Christ had to, had to guard his own request with this type of qualification. Again, asking God if this cup could pass, what, would, it, would he allow it? So how dare we ever try to pray for anything without adding, if it is in your will, God. If it is in your will. So we have this narrative, and I'm not going to go through the, the, 
the uh, rest of the scriptures just because of time, but we have this narrative here of Jesus preparing himself for the cross. We have this narrative of, of Jesus submitting himself in the, at, at the feet of, of, of his Savior. We have Jesus there being pressed to the point of death, being pressed to the point of depression, anxiety, nervousness, all of the human emotions that he could feel were coming at him. Jesus was not looking forward to what was about to take place. And we see the disciples sleeping. He returns not only twice, but he returns a third time. And, and what he had asked them is, pray and take watch. They were just in the upper room. They were just at the Lord's Supper where he had told um, Peter, uh, where he had told Judas, where he had told all of them that you're going to betray me, that someone here is going to betray me. And of course, they all responded with, not me, God. Is it me? And once he points out Judas, Judas leaves the scene. But at the same time, if you read that, if you read the narrative and you read the whole story, yes, Judas repaid, uh, Judas re betrayed our, our Savior, but so did Peter, and so did all of the disciples, and so do we. We betray him every time we sin. Every time we do something knowing full well that this is not in the will of God, every time we step out of the will of God, we are betraying him. We see where Judas betrayed the Lord, and in his betrayal of the Lord, he ended up taking his own life. And then we see Peter, who was his ace boom coon. <laughs> we see Peter denying Christ three times, denying his Savior three times as he watched from afar what was transpiring, just as he did in the Garden of Eden, watching from afar, looking to see what was transpiring. And when he was pointed out or called out, he denied Christ three times. And the Lord had told them that all of you are about to betray me. All of, all of them betrayed Christ, but the 11 repented. The 11, came, or the 11 came back. The 11 had a repented heart. So even when we do betray God, God has making, made a way for us, amen, to return to him. God is making a way for us to say, God, I am sorry. I love you. Forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for the weakness. So as you're walking up, carrying that cross, as we carry this cross to Calvary this week, let us remember the love that God has for us. Amen? The, the joy that he expresses toward us, the forgiveness that he uh, gives us the freedom of Christ that we have, that we can walk this journey to the cross knowing that God loves me, that we can imitate everything Christ did because we have him living within us. So we need to stop numbing our pain. We need to, we need to stop um, doing the things that, that are against what the scripture says. So as as he comes back for the third time, here comes Judas. 
Judas uh, comes and betrays him with the kiss. Peter goes off. Peter wakes up. All of a sudden, he's up. He cuts off the ear of one of the soldiers, and just chaos begins to happen. And Jesus, being the loving, loving father that he is, the loving God, puts the ear, heals the man, and puts the ear back and says, what y'all doing? Y'all ready to fight now? He said, the fight was in prayer. The fight was, the fight was, 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 was in prayer. Now you want to stand up and, and, and totally use your flesh to try and defend your beliefs? And we do that all the time. I know I do that all the time. I will allow a situation to go, and then when it doesn't go my way, instead of just repenting, I'm still fighting. Like, I'm still trying to get my point across. I'm still trying to say, well, this, that, and the other. But God is like, we're past that, baby. We, we're we're, we're going to go head on. We're, we're moving forward. And so we see Christ come, going through courtroom after courtroom, being dragged through uh, all these trials, and then we see him on the road to Calvary. And the beautiful thing is that he didn't really say much of nothing. He was just as quiet as he was. He was, he was allowing uh, Pontius, he was allowing Pilate, he was allowing all the judgment and the ridicule. He allowed the soldiers to beat him and pluck his beard. He allowed all of that without saying a word because he knew who he was. He knew who he was. He was confident in the fact that God called me. He was confident in the fact that this is way bigger than you all think. You think the healing of blinded eyes, the, the, the healing of paralytics, the healing of demon-possessed people, all of that was something? Oh, I got even more. <laughs> I've got more. And so as he's, go as he's walking that road to Calvary, as he's going forth, they are offering him bitter wine. And, and that wine was a wine that numbed the pain because they knew crucifixion was going to be painful. And God is like, I, 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 Jesus is like, I'm going to take it just as it is. I'm going to take it just straight without a chaser. I'm going to take this cross, and I'm, 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 I pray to God. He's given me the strength to go forth, and I'm going to take it. And so while bearing our cross, while bearing life, we've got to quit numbing ourselves. We've got to quit trying to find alternative solutions instead of just facing the trial that is before us so that God can get the glory, so that we can, can get the glory from God and build an altar there, build build a place of remembrance. So, so while bearing the cross, Jesus did not take of the bitter wine, which was, uh, which was an uh, aphrodisiac, so to speak, to numb the pain. Jesus also, while bearing the cross, forgave the man, forgave the other uh, crucif <laughs> forgave the other man that was on the other side of him who was mocking him, who was, who was jeering at him, who was making fun of him. Uh, and as Christ stood there, as Christ hung there, he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Now, if I'm hurting, okay, the last thing I'm going to do is be trying to witness to somebody. <laughs> the last thing I'm going to do is all about me. It's going to be all about me. And, and Jesus forgives him. He also says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He's walking this road of Calvary. He's walking it with forgiveness in his heart. Amen. He's walking it, it 
through, through the pain and suffering that he's already seen, not even at the cross, not even pierced or nailed to the cross yet. He is bearing it while showing genuine concern for his mother where he tells his beloved disciple John to take care of my mama. Make sure that she's okay. He is bearing the cross. He is showing reverence for the blood uh, that was shed for our sins. And he's saying, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That moment when he knew that life was oozing out of him, slipping away from him. And he knows that the separation between him and the Father is about to take place. And he cries out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And we know the fact that God cannot look at sin. God cannot have sin in his presence. So at that moment, the very presence of God and Jesus were separated. At that moment, the veil was rent in two, showing us that the power of the resurrected Christ was coming, amen, that our sins were no longer require a sacrifice, that our sins no longer required the slain of a lamb, but that our, our lamb of God had, had taken away the sins of the world. So while bearing our cross, we must surrender our lives into his hands. In Luke 23, it says, Father, into my hand I commend my spirit. Luke noted that that occurred at the time Jesus died. So when we are going and bearing our crosses, there will be many moments of death that take place in us. Figuratively speaking, we need to put some things to death. Amen? Because we know when things are put to death, God has the power to rejuvenate them. God has the power to resurrect them. God has the power to mold and craft and make it as he wanted it to be. So whatever situations you are going through, whatever failures, whatever, whatever you're mad with God about, let's just face it, there's some things that we get angry with God about. All of those things God is saying, let it die. Let it die. For I have the power to bring life back to it. So this morning, as we partake of the Lord's Supper, we are going to partake of it just viewing the cross in a different way, understanding that God loves us. And just as Jesus died on that cross, there's some things that we need to lay down. There's some things that we need to surrender to the Lord. So if we just, if you still have your Bibles open, if you just look at verse uh, 26, I believe, Yes, so uh, Matthew, 20, Matthew 26, 26, and as we prepare to take of the Lord's Supper, if you need an element this morning, please just raise your hands so one of our ushers can serve you. If you are at home, if you would prepare bread, get a piece of bread and some juice, amen, this morning as we get ready to take the Lord's Supper but this morning, I want us to all be participants in the taking of the Lord's Supper. I want us to all confess our sins this morning. If you want to come up to the altar, that's fine. If you want to go kneel at the cross, that's fine. But let's take a moment to confess our sins this morning as we partake of the Lord's Supper, remembering what Christ did for us, remembering 
what the cross stands for, remembering that God loves us and that we who have accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior have to die daily to the things of our flesh in order to align to God's will. So in Matthew chapter 26, it reads, Now as they were eating, and this is just before all of this narrative that I've just gone through, uh, this is just prior to that. He says, now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after breaking it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink all of it. Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you that I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it with, new with you in my Father's kingdom. As we partake of the Lord's Supper this morning and we look at what happened at Calvary, the body of Jesus was sacrificed for our sins. The blood of Jesus poured out as a sin offering for us. That God's love for us was so deep and so powerful that it called for a death to redeem us back into himself. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that God loves me. I'm glad that God redeems me. I'm glad that God has redeemed you. As we look at the cross and we see the prophetic word that comes, flows throughout the scriptures, that that was for us. That all that has taken place is for us, is for the children of God. So this morning as we partake of the bread and the wine, as we take of the body of Christ, let us stand and let us remember what God has done for us. Amen. Let us take a moment to just begin to worship the Lord. A moment to give thanksgiving to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. A moment to remember that we've got to do as Christ did and die to our earthly flesh to allow those things that so easily beset us to be buried. How many of us want, want to, to hear, well done, good and faithful servant? <laughs> That's my heart's desire, is to see us as Christians go before the Lord and hear him say, well done. To go before the Lord and have him embrace us. To go before the Lord and hear him say, you did it. To go before the Lord. Even in painful situations where there's no understanding in the human mind and be able to look and say, not my will, God, but yours. So this morning as we partake
of the bread and the wine. We just want to say thank you. God, we want to thank you this morning for just being our Savior and King. We want to thank you, Father, for shedding the blood, for allowing your body to be beaten and bruised, for allowing your hair to be plucked, for allowing them to put a crown of thorns on your head. Father God, we thank you for the time you spent preparing yourself for what we should have been preparing ourselves for, God. So this morning, we thank you for the cross, God. We thank you for the prophetic word that you will send a redeemer. And this week as we, this holy week as we celebrate, Father God, and reflect on what you did, God, let us give you all praise and all glory, Father God, as we travel this road of life, God, that this reflection of the cross will help us to let things go, to quit trying to do things on our own and allow your spirit to come in, Father God. Allow your spirit to overtake us. Allow your spirit to guide us, Father God, to allow your spirit to be the driving factor of your will being done. So as we take of this bread and drink of this cup, we do so in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost in remembrance of your death, burial, and resurrection. And we thank you, Father God, that we are coming up out of our graves. And we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may partake. Amen. And just take a moment to just thank him. Amen. Just begin to thank him. Hallelujah. Fill this house with praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, God. Lord, we thank you. Where would we be without you, God? God, we bless your holy name. Woo. We thank you for Jesus this morning, God. We reflect on all that he did for us, God. And next week, Father God, we will see graves opening, God, resurrection happening in our lives. We will see, Father God, and hear testimonies of what the Lord has done as this week we concentrate ourselves to reflect on the cross, to lay down our will and replace it with obedience out of love for you, Father God. Father, bless us as we begin to just move forward, Lord. Let us be witnesses to someone. Father God, let us wave our palm branches at work. Let us pray, wave our palm branches to our neighbors and friends and family. Let them know that Christ is alive. Let them know that the Redeemer lives. And let them know that the Redeemer loves them and wants to save them. We thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen.